The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. What's up, what's up, all my BBW, my barrier-breaking women? It's your girl, AJ Andrews, and I am so excited because this week is week two of my podcast. I just launched my first episode last week where I talked to the legendary Blake Bolden, who was the first black woman to play in the NWHL and the first black woman to be a scout in the NHL, who shared some of the most remarkable stories of triumph and getting through adversity. And we're just going to keep it rolling. Keep the train rolling with inspiration. This is an inspo train. I'm just talking to the most amazing, amazing and motivational women that you could possibly think about. And when we talk about motivation, we got to think about celebrating the little wins. And when I think about winning and my melanin, my mellow win for this week, you guys, it's just launching my dream podcast, doing something that I've always had written down, something that I've always wanted to do and making it happen. I think for so many of us, we have all these big goals. We have all these big dreams that we want to achieve and we just sit back on it. We never take that action because we're always, I call it perfectionist, right? We think we want to be perfectionist or we're trying to perfect something, but in reality, we're just procrastinating and we're just sitting back on our goals and sitting back on our potential, sitting back on all that could be amazing if we just hit play and stop hitting pause, stop waiting for the right moment and just go. And my mellow win for this past week was that I finally just hit go. And I think that when we do that, when we think about just hitting go, instead of thinking about what could possibly happen next, or I don't feel ready, you will never feel ready. <laughs> I think we, we I gotta get that clear. You will never feel ready. And as you keep moving though, you understand and you'll see that you have been ready. You have been ready regardless of how you feel. Your feelings and your emotions lie. They lie to us all the time. Sometimes our biggest enemy is what is in between our head and between our ears, our own mind. And we can just keep pushing past the doubt, keep pushing past the fear to know that on the opposite side of that is true success. And it really is our goals. We can truly mellow in all day, every day, every day of the week, every day of the year. And so for me, my mellow win was finally hitting play. And now I can watch my goal and something that I've been wanting to do, where it's, which talking to inspirational women of color, being able to hear and tell their stories. Now you guys will be able to watch it and it's going to be a movie. It is going to be an amazing movie. And so I'm so excited. And I hope everyone else out there, if you've been sitting on pause, you listen to me talking today and you get inspired and ready to hit play because your movie is ready to be played. It's ready to be watched. Somebody wants to watch it. You just have to give them that opportunity to. Coming up with this next podcast, this next episode, I am talking again, as you know, with another inspirational and amazing, amazing woman. She is someone that is truly defining woman empowerment and empowering so many women to step into their truth, step into their goals and never allow anyone, especially not society, especially no man, no woman, no one define who it is that she is going to be or what she is going to accomplish in this life. Women empowerment, I think for us to all understand, it isn't about making women stronger. Women, we are already strong. We are already strong. Women empowerment is about changing the way the world perceives that strength. It's about 
changing it, creating our own narrative as women, defining who we are, how strong we are, and what it is that we are going to do, regardless of the doubters, the naysayers, and the people that are trying to hold us back. And this individual, this amazing woman that is my next guest on this podcast, she has been and is continuing to challenge the status quo. She's challenging societal norms to the absolute max. She's entering in new spaces that were once completely dominated by men and saying, I hope you guys enjoyed your time because it is now my time to shine. Not only am I going to shine, but I'm going to give light and shed light to so many women out there in the world that have goals and dreams and feel like they can't reach them because it is a space that not many women have ventured into. She is knocking down those barriers, knocking down those doors, and allotting so many girls with so many dreams to finally step into them and step into their truth. She's changing the norm, expanding dreams, spanning beliefs, and I am so excited for you all to hear how she's doing it and the ways that she's continuing to inspire us all. And for my next guest, it is none other than Jennifer King. All right. So welcome back, all my BBWs. You are now tuned in to Barrier Breaking Women, the podcast. My guest today is the amazing, amazing barrier breaker, Jennifer King. She is the assistant running backs coach for Washington. Jennifer is also the first African-American female assistant position coach in NFL history. That's right. We have a history maker on today, Barrier Breaker. She also becomes the second female assistant position coach in the NFL. Jennifer, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Jennifer, I feel like as women in sports and just people in general, we kind of go about our day-to-day and we have all these achievements, but we don't take time to really think about it. As athletes, as coaches, we're just moving on to the next thing. So I want to know, I want you to take a second and know how did you mellow win this week? Actually, we don't have to be in the office this week, but actually went in and got a lot done, which was good. Um, got ahead on a few things. So for me, even though it was work, you know, it's much more laid back now out of season. And uh, I felt good, you know, to, to go in and get ahead on a few things. Oh, get a head start from a procrastinator. That sounds amazing. <laughs> I don't know what that looks like, but it sounds good. <laughs> I love that that's how you mellow win this week. And as, as you said, we're always moving. You talk about earlier, always on the go, always looking to the next thing. What can I do next? So as an athlete or even as a coach on the go, I want to get up in your business. Yeah, let's get it. All right, let's get it. <laughs> I want to know before you head out to the field, what song is your power song that gets you hyped before a game? My music on game day is pretty interesting. So I usually listen to like gospel music on the way to the stadium. Like even if it's an away game, I'll have that on on the bus ride over or in a car if it's a home game. But uh, when I get to the stadium, it gets bad. Like it's, it's <laughs> it gets bad. And um, I don't know, this year's a few songs I really liked. Said some, Moneybag Yo, the players love that song. So I, I started liking it because of the energy that it brought to them on the field. So that was, that was one I definitely listened to this year. I love how you have that just complete don't switch. To it. It's terrible, but I love it. So don't listen to the words. <laughs> just listen to the, the music, the hype, how yeah. it makes you feel. Just don't, right. don't repeat the lyrics. Don't repeat the lyrics. <laughs> I love that. 
What is your hack? When all the days get busy, they kind of feel like they run together. You're always working. What is your hack that you do as an athlete or as a coach that allows you to keep moving forward and keep going towards your goals? Yeah, it's funny that we just talked about music because that's definitely one of the things for me. It's just put music on. Like I love to work with music and when days get long, I love to put music on. It just keeps me going, keeps me motivated. There's so many songs that I like, you know, I have a very, I guess, eclectic taste. I listen to a little bit of everything. So it just kind of depends on my mood for what I need at that moment. But I love to listen to music and just take a time to, to chill. I love that you say you have eclectic taste because when I go to the gym, I'll put on like some SWV, some John B. I don't know why. There's no reason why that should be the music I'm pumping iron to, but that is what I like to hear. What What is that music that you say is different, but it makes you feel good? It gets you going. Yeah, I mean, it literally could be anything that day. It could be jazz, R&B, as you talked about. There's even a few country joints I might listen to. Uh, one of my friends, he's a big like, rocker now so i might listen to some of his stuff see what he has going on so it's, it's all over the place hey rock music country music <laughs> gospel music hardcore rap i love it anything it just depends on the day huh right <laughs> do you have any game day rituals or superstitions that you abide by that you have to do the only it's kind of strange, but um, <laughs> the only thing I really do, I love to smell the football when I go out to the field. So that's usually one of the first things I do. I usually walk pregame, just kind of do laps around the field, which is pretty common. A lot of coaches do that. But once I get my hands on a football, I always like to just smell it, smell the leather. I don't know. It's just like a it kind of lets me know what's about to take place. And it really gets me in a, a good mood. As a softball player, I understand the smell of good leather. I have a nice glove. It just brings you back to the field. When you are smelling that football, what's running through your mind? What's going through your body as you're probably envisioning what's going to take place in the game? Yeah, I mean, really, I'm just, I'm in the moment, you know? I, that's just kind of an opportunity for me to just lock in and be in the moment. Uh, just because, you know, for the next three or four hours, you know, it's about to be real intense, so... It's kind of that last moment, that calm before the storm for me to just take it all in and um, before everything starts. Can you explain in detail what that football smells like to you? I'm curious <laughs> now. Yeah, I mean, the, the <laughs> NFL footballs are obviously made with this premium leather. So it smells, I think they smell good. They smell like leather. That's what game day smells like to me is the football, the the leather. No matter which ball you grab, they all smell the same, which is nice. <laughs> But yeah, that's just something that I started doing when I was a player and I continued to do it when I was a coach. Love that. Got to smell the pig skin in the morning. <laughs> Jennifer, what is your most embarrassing moment? But not just that, what did that moment teach you? Let's see, what, what have I done? Sounds like you have uh, a lot. You think about it. No, no, it's, it's not a lot. That's why it's hard. I know one of the funniest things, and my sister always reminds me of this, when I was a child, I was probably... Like 10 years old, I, I played softball as well. Okay. And, um, yeah. And I don't, <laughs> I, it, was a, it was a ball. I guess it was like the perfect pitch for me. And I went to just cream it, missed the ball, like spun around and fell down, <laughs> which was, it was hilarious. She re still reminds me of that moment. But, it, you know, it just, you know, it taught me to keep my eye on the ball. And that's kind of a, a metaphor for for life, you know, just keep your eye on, on what you want to get done and moving forward from it. So that's probably the most embarrassing thing, which only only she remembers, apparently. 
I love that. And honestly, as you're describing it, because I've seen it so many times working with so many young athletes, the swing around. I love it because it just shows how hard you're working, how hard you want to hit the ball. And as you said, our takeaway, though, is to keep your eye on it. Slow but steady is what really is going to win the race. Just dial back a little bit. I love that. I love that. Jennifer, I want to pivot a little bit and we're just going to dive into everything that you have accomplished, why you are a barrier breaking woman. And I first want to know getting into football, now being the assistant running backs coach for Washington, where did your love of football come from? When did you first realize you love the sport? It was super young, like four or five years old. I fell in love with uh, football. And where I'm from, football is really big, small town in North Carolina. So always at a game on Friday nights, always playing in the backyard with the neighbors or at school and PE. So uh, football is just always huge for me. And, you know, I wasn't able to play when I was younger because my parents wouldn't let me. But, you know, as I grew older and got out of college, I actually started playing. And I mean, it's been amazing to be able to, to take the field and play, you know, tackle football. Do you remember the first time you stepped on the fields and started playing football? What did that feel like? Yeah, I mean, it, it's almost like I'm home type moment, you know, just something that you've wanted to do for so long. And then to get that opportunity to step on the field and put the helmet on and, and to play, uh, it was definitely special for me. Moment where you feel like home. I don't think many people understand what that feels like as an athlete or just as a coach where you've tried all many, all these different sports. I was a multi-sport player, multi-sport athlete when I was younger and softball ended being the sport that I went with. And people always ask, AJ, why softball? I honestly didn't have an answer. It just felt right. Like softball was just that sport where I was, I had so much fun first before just wanting to be super competitive. I just wanted to win in every other sport, but softball, I had just so much fun to begin with. When you keep going through your career playing football, what was that thing that drove you or why? If someone were to ask you why football, what would be what you would say? Yeah, I I don't know. It's kind of hard to put my finger on that. I think it was obviously the competition of it, the ultimate team sport. And I mean, to be real, it's the violence of the game, you know, that kind of attracted me to it. And and I still love it to this day. It's nothing like hearing, you know, the collisions and, and the things of the sport. And I think people who really love football, definitely appreciate that part of it. And I mean, at the end of the day, they're doing, you know, a lot of great things to make it a safer game, but it's still a a hidden sport. And, you know, and that's one of the things that I love about it. That's one of the things I love about it too. Going to LSU, I got to watch a lot of Uh, really good football. So, oh, my favorite, (laughs) favorite thing to do Saturday night. Jennifer, you being the assistant coach, being an assistant coach in the NFL, that is not something you just get handed. You have to work for it and you have to be very accomplished. I want to talk about your journey a little bit. How did you get your foot in the door to eventually just knock that baby wide open? Yeah, uh, man, it was quite a journey. Um, you know, I've been coaching football now for about 10 years. To go back, I, I started coaching college basketball and had a really good career doing that as an assistant. Um, had a lot of success and, you know, I was able to get a head coaching job and moved to Charlotte to Johnson and Wells University and where I became the head coach there on the college basketball side. And I had been coaching football and playing football at lower levels. And but when I moved to Charlotte, I was literally right beside the Carolina Panthers uh, practice field and stadium. And, you know, ultimately, uh, although I had success coaching basketball, I was able to meet Coach Rivera, who's the head coach of the Panthers at the time. 
at the Women's Coaches Forum put on by the NFL and Sam Rappaport in Florida. And uh, I just knew that's what I wanted to do. And we, we made a really good connection and relationship. And he, he invited me over. Um, I thought it was going to be for two days and it being for like four months. And I knew that's what I wanted to do. And then that, that following fall, I ultimately just walked away from basketball in the middle of the season to take a an opportunity in Arizona to work in the AAF with Coach Rick Neuheisel. And, you know, obviously stepping away like that was super difficult and one of the most difficult things I've done, but uh, it was worth it. And, you know, and I was willing to to deal with whatever came from it if it didn't go well. But that's kind of how I got into football. And I was with the Panthers twice and I was in Arizona and I worked at Dartmouth. And this will be my second year here in D.C. What a journey. I feel like one of my favorite quotes is the very moment something feels scary is the exact moment you should do it, the exact moment you should jump. Did you ever have any reservations or were you ever nervous about jumping from basketball to coaching football? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was I was living a comfortable life. You know, we just won a national championship. I was national coach of the year. Like life was super good, super comfortable. I'm obviously on a trajectory to coach it at bigger places and and do things there on the basketball side. So essentially, I walked away from all of that, all of the comforts and, and went to the unknown. And, you know, so, of course, you have some apprehension about it. But ultimately, I knew I wanted to be in football and I had a good support system around me. And, you know, that that faith that I kind of stepped out on was kind of my, my guardrails, you know, as I moved along through football. I love that. My faith was my guardrails as you're navigating through this journey. What were some of the unforeseen struggles as you began to climb the ladder in football that you experienced? Yeah, I've had an interesting journey. I mean, really my, my most difficult thing was, you know, we just talked about walking away from basketball. Once I got into football, I mean, the most difficult challenges was obviously when jobs end, <laughs> you know, because you kind of have that what's what's next type moment. But luckily, you know, we never know when our names are being mentioned in rooms that we don't know about. And, you know, I've been fortunate to always experience that. So every time a job has ended, you know, shortly after I've received a call from someone with an opportunity for me, just because they knew someone that worked where I'd worked before, they had heard something positive about me. So, you know, those, those maybe one or two weeks when you're unsure of what's next, Those are probably the most difficult things, but it's always worked out for me. As a woman stepping into a very male dominated field, football, right? It's just a man's sport. People always have reservations, even just talking to you on social media, women discussing football, you're going to get all this backlash. Did you ever feel like you had to prove yourself time and time again, maybe more so than the men that you were also coaching next to? I mean, I really haven't just because of the caliber of guys that I've worked with and players that I've coached. I haven't felt the need to do that. And I think the pressure that I put on myself to be great is much more than any pressure I could receive from outside, you know, and that's something I grew up with. My parents always talked about, if you're going to do something, try to be the best at it, you know, why not? So that's that's the mentality I always had coaching and, you know, I still have it now trying to always get better, always learn, but also bring something to the table at the same time. It's so funny you say that. My growing up, that was the one comment that stuck with me my whole life from my dad, where he was like, if you're going to do something, you better be the best at it. I remember telling him, well, I was trying to get a scholarship. He was put a cap on my back to school shopping that year. And I said, (laughs) dad, there's no need to do that. I'm going to get a scholarship to go play college somewhere. So how about you just add that money you're saving for college and throw it into my back to school shopping? And he, I was dead serious, but he told me, he's like, look, if you're being serious, you better, there's always going to be someone more talented, there better be no one that's working harder and you better be the best out there and do your best. And 
to this day, those words, whenever I want to take a day off, they start playing in my mind, start playing in that mind. That bit of advice that your parents gave you or any bit of advice maybe that you've received, what do you feel like is the best bit of advice that you've received throughout this journey to continue moving forward, to not feel like you have to overcompensate or have to prove yourself? Yeah, I think it's all about being ready. And that's something that Coach Rivera first told me when I first went to the Panthers was just always be ready. And, you know, I think that involves sacrifice sometimes to to be prepared because we all have these goals and dreams and ambitions. And, you know, what if you're offered your, your dream job tomorrow? Are you prepared for it? And that was something, you know, that's how I looked at when he told me to always be ready and, and stay prepared. That's how I viewed it. So I felt like I was always studying and when that opportunity came, you know, I was ready to accept it and felt confident and comfortable enough to step into the role. Stay ready so you never have to get ready. It's like <laughs> right. a, an athlete's <laughs> proverb or something right there. You play professional football for three women's football teams, the Carolina Phoenix, the New York Sharks, and the D.C. Divas. How would you say it is different now coaching on the men's team from you playing, you being a player? Yeah, I mean, it's a different hat that you have on. You know, sometimes you're a player, sometimes you're a coach. And I've been lucky to always have good coaches. So I'm I'm not, you know, looking at them sideways if it's like, I don't know, we should do that. You know, because obviously the coach in you has an idea. But I've always been around good people and I don't cross the two, you know, unless I'm asked. So if I'm a player, you know, I don't really give my opinion on stuff unless they want, they ask me for it. And, you know, on the, on the coaching side, I think, you know, it's all about being valuable to the team and teaching and developing our athletes. As an assistant coach, from what you're doing to develop those athletes, I want to know what your, your day-to-day looks like. What are your responsibilities on and off the field as an assistant coach in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't realize the, the kind of days that we have when we're in season. You know, our days could easily get up to 14 hours a day or 15 hours a day sometimes in season. So days are extremely long pairing for our opponent on Sunday. So a lot of what I do is is the preparation of it. I watch a lot of the opposing team that we're playing. I watch their, their linebackers, their safeties, their defensive backs, and I essentially make scout reports for all of them with videos, cut-ups to, to kind of support the things that I'm saying. And Because it's so important in the NFL, the smallest thing could be the biggest thing. And, you know, any advantage that we can have going in, like, you know, this person's going to do this when this happens. So how so it shouldn't happen, right? If you know they're going to grab you, why did you get grabbed? <laughs> it's that type of thing that, that we prepare our guys for. And, you know, days are super long. We put in a lot of work, game planning and preparing. But, you know, it's all worth it because our athletes are, are elite and they want to be better. And it's, it's super exciting to see them grow. And those athletes being elite, I feel like as an elite athlete, we always, we want more information, right? We always want to get better, learn how we can get better. Do you feel like you've always been able to communicate with the NFL players? Like that level of respect is still there because they want to learn, even though you're a woman, it doesn't change. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the biggest thing I saw when I first started working was they didn't care who I was. They just wanted like, can you help me? (laughs) That's what it's all about. And, you know, people always ask, you know, when I have spent time in Carolina with Christian McCaffrey, who's one of the best running backs in the league, you know, how was he? And he was, as elite an athlete on the planet, but he always wanted to be better. And he worked at it every single day. He never took, you know, a day off in practice. He was wide open the whole time. And that bar is set so high for these guys. You really learn to appreciate, you know, what they can do and, and anything that you can do to help them, you're willing to do. Throughout your process, you've never had to check anyone? <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I've had some times where just, you know, Guys have little meltdowns at, at time, but I think, you know, my background, just being able to 
to talk to them and have discussions with them always helps, you know, and I think that's one thing, one of my strengths as well is just the communication and the relationships that I've built with a lot of our players. When things go wrong, sometimes I can, I can make them right and I can help them out. And that's, that's one of the things I learned when I was a police officer as well. Like sometimes you have to try to deescalate a situation or calm someone down to get the result that you want. So I guess, you know, looking in perspective, this is much, much smaller than that, but you, you use those same skills. I love how you've taken all of your experiences from being a police officer, from being a player and applying them to being a coach. What would you say is probably the number one thing that those previous jobs and or positions that you've had have translated into you being able to perform as a high coach? Definitely communication is, is one thing, you know, being able to communicate with anybody and everybody from different backgrounds, from different beliefs and everything to have that, that relationship and ability to communicate effectively with them has probably been the biggest thing that has carried over from every single job that I've had so far. Jennifer, you were, or you are, the first Black woman assistant coach in the NFL. When you first found out that you were getting this promotion, getting this job, what went through your mind? How are you feeling? Yeah, this this story, if I would have known the magnitude in that moment, I think I would have made this story more epic. But I was working in my office, preparing for whoever we were playing that week. And, you know, coach came by and let me know what was going to happen. We had a, you know, a quick discussion and I kind of just went right back to work. <laughs> so, I mean, I was, I was excited, obviously and happy, but I, you know, I was, I was doing something. So I, I never really even took that second then to, to uh, enjoy it. But obviously I was thankful and, and excited, but if I would have known, you know, I would have been asked this question, I probably maybe did something a little more epic. What would you have done? Like, I, I don't know. Like, it sounds good. But I have no idea. It's not even me to act that way. So I don't know. But uh, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe made a call to, to my parents or, or did something. But I was happy and, and went right back to work. I love that you hear that. Hey, by the way, Jennifer, you're about to make history real fast. Um, all right. Thanks, coach. And then you get right back to work. <laughs> no, I didn't. I never even thought about that part of it. And and I, I didn't even think about that part until obviously when it was announced and it obviously has been brought to my attention now, but that wasn't like, that didn't even cross my mind. I was just excited to, for the position and the promotion and that part, I didn't think about it. I love that. Just so keen and focused on everything that you are doing that you don't even realize that you're making history. (laughs) With the NFL being, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but with the NFL being known as very much of a boys club, how do you navigate that world? I mean, it's all about the people who you work with, and that's why I've had great experiences. And I think there's so many women in football doing really good things. It's kind of behind the scenes that you may not see or may not know, but the NFL at the league level is diverse. I mean, I think the number, either the number two or three of the NFL is a female, and, you know, it's it's extremely diverse in the league office. You know, at the team level is where I think there's still work to be done, but, you know, everywhere I've been has been fantastic. And, you know, Coach Rivera is doing a great job in Washington now changing our the culture and just bringing in, you know, fresh bodies and fresh minds. And it's been exciting. And there's so many women, as I mentioned, in the NFL all over that do great things. And, you know, I think obviously, you know, being a coach, you get, you get a lot of the, the, you know, the visibility, but there's so many people doing really good things. So this is kind of a, a hats off to all of them as well. A lot of women making moves in so many different sports. Where would you like to be in 10 years? Where do you see your career taking you? Oh, that's a really long time from now. <laughs> oh, your long-term uh, goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Usually I do more short-term goals, but I mean, really ultimately it's to be happy, you know, hopefully still in football, 
happy wherever I am. And I'm a big proponent of growing wherever you are as far as developing your future. So I don't really have any hard goals right now for 10 years. I just know I want to get better every day and see where it takes me. All right. So then you got to hit me with your short-term goal then. Since you're a short-term goal person, what what's next? What's coming up? Yeah, I mean, that was it. I mean, to be the best assistant running backs coach I can be right now. And that's, you know, our, our head coach always talks about be where your feet are. And it's so important to, you know, not look too far ahead in the sports business because things can happen really quickly. And I think it's important to stay locked in and, and kind of keep your eyes on what you're doing. Amazing. Short-term, long-term goals, continuing to make history while being happy. The next time you make history, though, we have to make it more epic. That's something that we're going to have to, we got to work on. We got to work on. As athletes, especially women in sports, I think we kind of get tuned to this mindset of it is what it is, whether it's what we're being given, recognition, the respect, But for all of these barrier-breaking women, such as yourself, we are turning that mindset into, no, it is what I make it. Jennifer, what was one moment when someone doubted you or told you what you could or couldn't be and you proved them wrong? I mean, (laughs) it's kind of funny that I bring this up, but really the only time I feel like someone has told me what I couldn't do was when my parents didn't allow me to to play football growing up. But really, I mean, it was... It, it taught me how to handle disappointment at the young age because I, in my mind, you know, they were just going to let me play because I was good. And, you know, I, I played all the time and it didn't happen. And, you know, I dealt with that. And I think it's important, you know, we experience failures and things that don't go our way, fall forward with it. And that's something that I did. And I start moving on to basketball and softball. And ultimately, they got me into college to play basketball and softball. So, you know, everything I've learned along the way has, you know, I've kind of put it in my toolbox. But that was one of the, I guess, doubts that I felt from them. But I knew, obviously, they supported me and everything that I wanted to do other than that. But I think like now being able to play football and work in football, you know, it's kind of, you know, just looking back at them like, you know, I guess I, you know, thank you. But, you know, I was pretty good at this football thing. To say it in the most humble of terms, I'm pretty good at this football thing. I, we're going to move on to Melanated and Celebrated. This is where we're going to celebrate young athletes around the country that are doing amazing things. And today I want to talk about Tamaya Bulger. She made history at Clanton Middle School when she became the first African-American student to not just win a homecoming title, but she did this while also being the school's only female football player. She played wide out and defensive back. Jennifer, what do you have to say about this standout athlete? And what advice would you give to her as she may probably wants to continue to moving on through football? Yeah, shout out to her. That, that's pretty cool. I think the biggest thing is just keep growing in the sport, keep learning, keep developing, and just keep going. No one can tell you what you can and can't do. It's up to you and just be willing to be great at it. Speaking of melanated and celebrated, I just want to brag on you a little bit because, of course, you making history is a big, big deal. But even prior to that, you were seven-time All-American quarterback and wide receiver for the Carolina Phoenix women's tackle football team from 2006 to 2017. You were so legit for so long. That's a really long time. In 2018, she played wide receiver. You played wide receiver and defensive back for the New York Sharks women's tackle football team and captured the 2018 WFA National Championship. And with all of these amazing women doing amazing things in football, you see so many young women now getting more into football. You see women breaking 
barriers in making history, even in college football. How does it make you feel to see so many young women where you were told you can't play football now getting in so early and being able to be so successful? Yeah, it's beautiful. You know, that, that's the one word I always think of just to be able to see see these ladies getting into football at such a young age. And I mean, I think that the coolest thing will be now when you have females who become qualified to coach football and they can get right in at 22, you know, right out of college, like like the guys do. I think that'll be the really cool moment instead of having to kind of go in a roundabout way like me and so many other of the female coaches in the NFL had to do. They now can kind of see us and and dream of, of doing it and they don't have to defer their dream just because no one looks like them uh, coaching in the league now. When I won the Gold Glove Award back in 2016, I remember going to the Gold Glove ceremony and I was the only woman in there, the first woman to win. So I was surrounded by all the MLB players and a reporter came up to me and he asked me if I felt nervous being around so many great baseball players, MLB players. I remember feeling really slighted and offended and be like, no, I don't feel nervous. I am winning the same award that these men are winning because I performed with immaculate excellence the same way that they did. Has anyone ever asked you, do you feel like you have to compare to these men? And have you ever felt like, absolutely not. I've deserved this. I'm where I'm supposed to be. Yeah, it's something that's that's been brought up. But, you know, I think being 100% authentic has got me to where I am now. I've never changed or adjusted for anywhere, no matter where I've worked or the guys that I've worked with. And I think it's always important to be authentic and know you know, when you get these positions that you worked hard for or those accomplishments in your case, I mean, you deserve to be there. So why would I not feel <laughs> worthy of being there? You know, I worked hard and did exactly what, what everybody else did to be in the position. So, yeah, I, I don't really I don't really feel those moments just because I have that confidence to know I'm where I deserve to be. And no one's ever said anything to you? Uh, no, I mean, and one thing with me, I don't, I don't really read the comments. So sometimes okay. my, friends, my friends will hit me up and let me know somebody's <laughs> talking crazy, but I don't, I mean, I never, I never look at it. So I need to take a page out of your book. Like, I just yeah. don't know out of sight, out of mind. It's too much to read, read all the comments. So Jennifer, with all that you've accomplished, the history that has been made, what are you most proud of when you look back on your journey? Um, I think it'll be this moment, you know, when I look back. Although I really haven't really taken the time to to think about it now, I think, you know, as you talked about 10 years from now, when I look back, I don't know, I'm a part of history. <laughs> so it, it's kind of crazy to to think about that. And, you know, some of the names that I've been mentioned with, you know, it's like, I don't know if I deserve to be in that that's, that room with them. But I mean, it's it's a first. So, you know, you get you get put into that. So I think when I look back, that'll be one of the things that I'm probably most proud of. Yes, your name is etched in the history books as one of the first. What is your, I wish I knew then what I know now? We all have one. I mean, the the thing for me was, you know, just because there was no one that looked like me, I I deferred what I wanted to do working in football. And, you know, I finally at an adult age realized that it's okay to be the first and kind of create your own path and, that was something that, you know, I would definitely kind of tell my younger self. It's okay to be the first and knowing that I feel sometimes with representation, to see it, to believe it, to achieve it, but you can be that person that allows people to see it, then believe it and achieve it. And Jennifer, whether you know it or not, or you want to celebrate it epically or not, you are that person. Thank you. <laughs> I want to leave you guys with my quote of the week. 
And from everything that Jennifer has said today about her accomplishments, what she has been able to do, how she was able to fail forward and continue to move towards her goals, you are braver than you believe, smarter than you think, and stronger than you seem. The very moment you feel scared to do something is the exact moment you should. Within that fear lies your breakthrough. And I don't think there's a better example of someone that is doing all of that than the wonderful berry-breaking woman we've had on today, Jennifer King. Thank you all so much for tuning in. And please make sure you check us out on social and subscribe, download, rate, and comment. Jennifer, where can everyone find you? I'm on Twitter and Instagram. I always forget my my handles. I think it's Jennifer.King5 on Instagram. And Twitter is just JenniferKing5, I do believe. But yeah, I'm on there. (laughs) And if that's wrong, all you got, just Google her. You'll find her. (laughs) Thank you guys for listening. Catch all of you BBWs later. Keep breaking barriers and keep mellow winning.